Okay, so Nachamal continuing second class Talmudic medicine. Just to quickly re- uh, recap what we learned last week and to elaborate on it. And that is as following. The Mishnah is speaking about an illness called Kurdiyakos. The, the Gemara explained that Kurdiyakos is a certain condition that occurs to a person if they consume freshly pressed wine, wine that did not yet ferment. It's something that's not healthy, and if a person consumed more than what the person can tolerate, they will be seized with an illness called Kurdiyakos. And the Gemara wants to understand, why did the Mishnah give a name that needs to be explained? Just say, if someone consumed a lot of that uh, fresh-pressed wine, then in the context of the Mishnah, then during that moment, the person is not fully mentally capable. And if they, even if they instructed for, that's the case that we're learning in the Mishnah, for someone to write a get and to deliver it to one's spouse, or even if the instruction was only to write a get, it is of no consequence because the person is not fully there. And the question was, why did we have to give the name Kurdiyakos? And the Gemara answered that one of the uh, remedies that we'll, we will be dealing with is not the remedy of a body, but we're going to be also learning about spiritual remedies. Some of them were done by writing Kameyas. Kamea is an amulet. And at times, you needed to write in the amulet the name of the demon that, you are, that you're trying to uh, expel that you're trying to purge of, to purge, purge the person thereof. So you have to know the name, and the name of the demon is Kurdiyakos. So last week, I think it was you, Mushka, you asked us to speak more about demons, and I think that this is, it's all going to come back. And I also mentioned last week that this, today we would call this mental illness, and let me elaborate, elaborate on that. So a, a few words of introduction. First of all, one of the uh, concurring themes that we find in the Gemara, and even out there when people speak about, when people write about demons, is the fact that a demon is invisible. Or generally, demons are invisible, or they have the ability to be or to remain invisible. There's another concurring theme that we have in the Gemara, I don't know how much of this is there in other sources, that a demon has an ability when he or she appears to appear in different forms. You know, there's a whole Talmud about a demon that took the form of King Solomon. It appeared, it looked just like Shloyma HaMelech. So a demon can look like a person, a demon can look like an animal, a demon can look like you, a demon can look like me. And, and what, what does that mean? That's very, very insightful to the understanding of demons. And yes, I'll get to mental health soon. But before we focus on demons to appreciate, we have to take a step back. And I would like to speak about evil for a moment. Evil. It's a very important topic to understand. It's very important to understand how Yiddishkeit views evil. There are many who erroneously associate evil to darkness in the sense, in the context, that just like the darkness that most people are aware of is really a non-existence. 
Right? Darkness is just the lack of light. It's not a thing. It's just the absence of. Many people wrongfully understand evil the same way. There isn't really evil. Evil is not a thing. If there's the absence of light, physical light, more importantly, when there's the absence of holy, of kedusha, of spiritual light, so that that absence, that darkness is referred to as evil, and that's not where it ends. There is actually something that God created that we're going to call evil. And evil, and we're going to bring this back to demons and making just the association of demonic forces and evil forces is very healthy because it would help, it, it enables us to better grasp what we're talking about. Evil doesn't have any specific form. Actually, throughout the past thousands of years, many people tragically chose to ignore the existence of evil because it is invisible, it could remain invisible, it certainly does not manifest in any specific way, and actually evil becomes tremendously empowered when people ignore or deny its existence. Let me clarify a bit more about evil and the forces of evil. And let's just um, speak a little bit how they manifest through, through human beings. You know, there are many things that people do to others and to themselves that are not healthy, that are not good, that are hurtful. Now, where did those behaviors come from? Not all of them come from evil. Not all of them come from evil. But there are times being that there is really evil out there that is trying to uh, manifest in my image, through me, in your image, through you, that, that a person might have, let's say, a justification, or a person might have a necessity. A person is hungry, they need to eat, they don't have any food, they're going to steal, not because they're evil, not because they don't believe in the, in the virtue of being honest, there is, there is necessity. There is a reason. There is a point of how evil will connect to a person. But then that person ends up doing something that is evil. And it might not begin that way, but eventually, especially for those who deny the existence of evil, evil manages to manifest that ultimately it's, it becomes harder and harder to deny that there is evil in the world because people... I'm just focusing on people, but I'm not. This is not exclusively about people. But people can end up doing things that mamish did not come from any necessity. They were not even coming to address anything other than the pleasure of evil. The pleasure that they have when something evil is being done. And there are many levels of how much evil will manifest. The atrocities that happen throughout human history is a manifestation of evil. Different types of atrocities have different faces. They appear, they manifest different. 
but the neshama of them all is that evil manifested. And evil will, will, will do exactly the opposite of what God wants for the world to look like. Exactly the opposite of what Hashem would have wanted someone to do in any given circumstance. It's the opposite of what God wants. There is a evil that is trying to be the, what we would call the other side to God, the Kedush. Very much related to that is the concept of demons. In other words, a demon would be like the shliach of evil to try to manifest evil within a person. Ignoring it empowers it. Saying that evil is only the absence of light empowers it. Because when a person doesn't accept the truth that there is evil out there, then the person becomes less vigilant and the person starts to rationalize things that should not be rationalized. Again, there are times that people behave in a certain way that is very hurtful to one's fellow and that doesn't always come from evil. There is a misunderstanding. There is times that necessity demanded for Reuven to do something, even though from Shimon's perspective, it was a very non-pleasant thing. Reuven had no pleasure in the pain that he caused. Reuven wasn't looking to cause any pain. Reuven was simply starving. That also does exist. But there's something much more powerful than that. And that is what we will call the forces of evil. That is similarly what we would call that there are demonic forces. And knowing their name, acknowledging that this is coming from evil, this is a demonic force, is the first step of us succeeding in let's start not yielding to it. You know, yielding, ignoring is yielding. And yielding is the way and not an active way, but it's the passive way that we give evil even greater powers. Any comments so far? I have a question. Do you think the level of evil, let's say from back in the day, it's less now because we're in more modern times? Do you think it's the same it always was in the world? Okay, that's a very important question. And the reason why Alpi Hasidis, there is less evil in the world is because part of the mystical messianic moment is that there will be a moment that good will, will completely annihilate evil. And that doesn't happen. It doesn't begin and end in one instant. It's a process. And the more we go through history, the more people open themselves up to be conduits of Kedusha, of God, and of holiness, the more that weakens the Koyach of evil. So there is less evil in the world. It doesn't mean that evil is non-existent. That will happen at some times in the future. But evil is less in the world, not because many people deny its existence. Actually, the so-called sophisticated peoples that only believe in the things that they, in their limited, small, conscious mind, can touch and smell, and a demon is something that is transparent, it's invisible. Evil is, so to say, the nisham of evil is invisible. So if I cannot touch it, and I'm God, and it's all about me and my experience, which must be it doesn't exist, 
I mean, first of all, you had people that always thought that way. These are cave primitive people. Many people today have that small, pathetic mindset. So yeah, it could be that in the Western world, tragically, many people are denied that there is evil and they deny that there is demons. And they say all of this is, you know, the folklore out where they say that the great grandparents of theirs, they were the dumbed down ones and they believed in all sorts of superstitions. No, no. Such people are the people that we should be aware that if God forbid evil will manifest, it's probably going to happen through them. No, it's people that deny the existence of evil are the people most susceptible to becoming conduits to it. The koyach of evil is it being ignored. It being acknowledged does not mean that it should be acknowledged in the right way. I'll explain, I'll explain the right way and the wrong way in a moment. But there is evil out there. And therefore, because of evil, as an extension of evil, you have these little demons. See, evil doesn't go into a person. Maybe unless the person is a Hitler. But most people are susceptible, potentially, to house and to allow a demon manifest through them. Just like the Gemara here, the remedy, knowing its name, even before we get into the specific Kardiyakos name, just knowing that there are certain powers or forces or energies in the world that are real, even though we can't see them, and they are constantly chasing us. They're running after, they want to become entangled with us. You know, when God told the Cain, right after he murdered Hevel, Lepesach, Chatos, Reivetz, that's the Pasuk in Bereshis in Genesis, God is telling Cain that behind every door, there is a demon lurking in the dark, trying to pounce on you, if you're not going to be uh, aware of it being there. Starting with that. Because you think about what Cain did to Hevel, that was the first time that evil manifested in an evil way. I'm going to go to the first sin in a moment. I'm going to call the first sin a demonic sin. The second, the first sin was the sin of, the, of consuming the tree of Eitz Hadas Toivara. Very important concepts that we learn in Hasidus. But evil manifested when a brother murdered a brother. So there was jealousy. And there was a certain amount of rationalization to that jealousy. And because of that rationalization and because of Cain denying that he, like all of us, might be channels to evil, he said, no, 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 I, I have animosity towards my brother. I understand why. I rationalize it. I can explain it. Because my, you know, my brother, uh, well, God accepted the sacrifice of my brother. So I'm jealous. Now, even if he was jealous, for jealousy to come to murder, for him to, and he cruelly murdered Hevel. And Hevel was such a, Adela, such a refined, Hevel did nothing to Cain. In other words, it was Cain's denial. Cain knew that he had flaws, but he was sophisticated. It's not a demonic force. It's not evil. It's me. I'm jealous. No. He, first of all, yes, some of it was something that we can understand, and we have to deal with that which we could understand on a more rational level. So there's the way you counter jealousy with certain psychological uh, tools, but we have to be aware that within the jealousy, within any instinct, within any desire of doing that which is against the will of God, there's something greater at play. But how will it connect to me? It's gonna, it's gonna, it has to connect to me somewhere. 
And the most vulnerable part in the person in which we are opened to being conduits to evil forces and certainly to demonic forces is the person's mind, is the person's perception. Beginning with one's belief system, based on that, the way you perceive reality, choices that you make, we'll call them theological choices, what you choose to believe in or not. This is the most powerful point of entry to demonic forces, which is why I would like to call, uh, when the Talmud speaks about demonic forces, I call that mental illness. Speaking about mental illness, a lot of mental illness are people who made prior choices which made them open to forces of evil or to the forces of demons. And once we start, once they become intertwined with us, it's not so simple to get rid of them. And sometimes, now it's not all that. Some of mental illness is a chemical imbalance. Not evil, not evil. Like if a person breaks their foot, it's not about good nor about evil. It's just something is not functioning. 100%. I am not addressing that part of mental illness. But when you have a person that it has a mental illness and they take, God forbid, a weapon and they go into this public arena, which is tragically happening way too many times, and they mass murder many people. What you are seeing is the face of evil. This doesn't contradict the fact that probably, or in many cases, it's being manifest through someone that had a prior mental illness. 100%. It's not, a, it's not one or the other. But don't... <laughs> deny evil by explaining everything. Ah, that was a mental illness. Even though this person might have had a mental illness, that made the person open and vulnerable to certain demonic forces that are greater than the illness that this person has. And through that person, evil showed its face. And when, therefore, when we learn in the Gemara about demons and they look, they, first of all, they are invisible. But when they manifest, they can manifest in any way, shape, and form. What the Gemara is trying to say is, don't imagine a demon the way many foolish non-Jewish cultures have this image of this red creature with horns and a tail. Whether they call that the demon or call that the Satan. No, 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 that, that's a big mistake. That is denying the real existence of evil that has no form, that has no image. And therefore that is able to manifest in all forms and in all images, including in people. It doesn't end with people. You know, we know that when God created the world in the beginning, wild animals in nature did not destroy other animals. They did not hunt them down and devour them the way it's happening right now. Which is why in the future, when the world will be rectified, there won't be a world in which a lion is going to go and devour a, a Nebuchadnezzar lamb that's just trying to have some grass. All of that is a manifestation of some sort of aggressive, almost evil force. Once the human being allowed for evil to connect to us, through us it connects to any and all other parts of reality. That's how important the human being is in the model, in the emis, which is what the trader is revealing to us. I know we had a neighbor that many people know, an tzaddik, a Jew, a 94, 95-year-old Jew, a Holocaust survivor, that one of the greatest things that troubled him, this Isaac of blessed memory, is that he went through the Holocaust. He saw what people can do against people. But he was troubled. How can God create a world in where you find this in nature? That there's such violence in nature. 
and just to know the words, I'm not, you know, the word, the, the emes is, is that know that the world was not meant to have any violence in it. The violence that we see manifesting is a manifestation of evil. And it can manifest through a wild animal. I have a question. Sure. Um, can evil do what evil does without a human being, without manifesting in something? Like, how does it exist outside of a person? In this world, it would not be able to manifest without, before the first sin, Vela. So it has to have a person. It, be, it, it, it needed, person well, it, once it had a... Existence. Well, I'm just saying that denying... So, but, doesn't it go into animals too sometimes? I just said that. The energy can enter an animal? I yeah. just said that, but one second. Denying its existence versus acknowledging in its existence is not the end game. It's just the beginning game. People can deny the existence of evil and never do evil. People can know that there's something called evil and they can manifest evil worse than anyone else. It doesn't have to go hand in hand. What I'm trying to point out is, is that people that deny the existence of evil are making themselves more vulnerable simply by denying the truth. People that acknowledge evil are not automatically protected from it. But the okay, first... But Evil has to have something to manifest. Very good. Very good. Very good. Now I want to add another very important point. I know we can, we can spend the whole class speaking about this. And that is, is that in the Talmud, when we speak about demons, I want to focus a bit more on demons. Uh, for you, Mushki. The main part of the Talmud in one place that speaks about demons is in the tractate of Psachim. And the Gemara has one underlying theme. And that is that demons manifest in pairs. Many yeshiva students study this. It's fascinating that when you eat, right, don't cook two eggs in a pot and don't eat two pieces of meat and don't drink two cups, two, two, two pears. Now, even better not to have two, four, six, eight, ten, not to have anything in, in an in a even number, but particularly the two that don't, don't consume things in pairs. And there is a very important Hasidic insight in the meaning behind that. And just to... As a, as a way of introduction, someone might, might hear the words that I'm sharing and say that the Rambam clearly writes against that. The Rambam writes that there's no such a thing called demons. The Rambam writes there's no such a thing called black magic. The Rambam, Hasidus, the whole Hasidus is ein oid molvadoi, that there's nothing other than God. There's nothing other than God. So many people, without adding what I'm going to add right now, God forbid, can say that everything that I said now is blasphemous. But let me say the following. When the Gemara is saying that demons manifest when we connect the pairs, or going back to the story, the first story, the first falling of man, of Adam and Chava, when they consumed from the eights hadas toy vara, what pairs mean is that there is good and then there is bad. There is holiness and then there is evil. They're not the same. They're diametrically opposite one from the other. There's Kedusha and there's Klippa. But we will never give any sort of importance to Klippa. No. Adarabo. Pairs, the, the duality, the problem with duality, which is the first step away from Hashem Echad, 
is when a person begins to say, ah, there's two sides to everything. That will be the modern beginning of the end. Two sides to everything, what a person normally would, would imply by saying that, everyone knows there's two sides to everything, right? There's good and evil. That's not what that person means. When this, when this uh, foolish slang, when this almost, it's a demonic statement, ah, there's two sides to everything, what they really mean to say is, is that there is virtue, there is justice in both sides. That's how it begins. It doesn't end with that. Because if there's some good in bad, if there's some toiv in the ra, that's the beginning of my denial that there's something that's purely and absolutely evil. So when something that has attained a little bit of not good in it is not right away rejected, if it's not nipped in the bud, that is where, again, not always, but that is where this might become a monster. And by then it's too late. So just examples. So when you have a child, that a child, a child calls his friend in the class, he, he, he calls him a, a, a name. He says something derogatory. And the child who did it, enjoyed that a little bit. I use, is that the face of evil? God forbid. God forbid. But to acknowledge that, that that's the beginning. And, and when people, ju- there's two sides to everything. The one who said that, something happened to him or to her. The two sides to everything. Duality is where we will call, where the demons begin to manifest. Actually, in the Gemara, the demons in the Talmud are not that uh, scary. They're not that scary because... Of course, there's one God. And from God's perspective, there's nothing other than God. There's nothing. It's only God. But from our perspective, there's a lot. There's a world. And focusing now on this good and evil, not only is there a world, but we see that there's good and evil. But evil is evil. And it should be called out for what it is. And evil has to be annihilated. And the demonic force begins when there's a little bit of good in everything. It's two sides to everything. So, for example, over here, you have this, you have this food, you have this, this, this beverage, this type of wine that's not healthy. All right, it's not healthy. I have a little bit. You had a little bit too much. Ah, now the demon got you. That's the meaning. And now, uh, that's without getting into the details of what Kardiyakos means. And you have to understand the letters. And I'm not qualified unless I would read it somewhere to, uh, to interpret the specific demon of Kardiyakos. But in the Gemara, it's going to be very common that a person will be possessed by a demon by, by, by making, so to say, a very small step down of standard. Bechlal, the, 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 a, a Yid that's learning Torah is not that afraid of demons because what Halachi gives us is a very clear knowledge of what God wants and what God doesn't want. Not that we are tzaddikim. But what does the Halacha say? The moment a person understands that no, there is no two sides to everything. Is it kosher or is it treif? The clearer that becomes, the less we are open to demonic forces and therefore the less we we are open, God forbid, to allow any type of cosmic evil to come into us and to manifest through us. The beginning of our failing is zugais, it's called. Zugais means spears. All right, there's some good in this also. Now, by the way, there are times that the, the, what we are judging is not good and evil. And a Hanami, there are such things. There are times that both things that we're looking at has some good and some bad. Oh, 
And in that case, there's nothing wrong saying that each side has a, you know, has a leg to lean on. But it's not always that way. The clearer people are in their reality of this is right and that's wrong. And a lot of what Hasidus inspires or aspires to inspire us is that even though on the lower levels, there is a lot of this world that is called Rishus. Rishus means it's not a mitzvah nor is it a sin. But the, the more elevated the person becomes, then no, then, then, then things become clearer. Clearer means, listen, either this is going to somehow empower me to do the mitzvah better, or not. It's either holy or the other side, like the Al-Tarebbe writes in Tanyim. Everything is either Kedusha or Sitra Achra. In Halacha, you have, the, you have a third whole location, which is huge. But you have Kedusha, you have Sitra Achra, and you have Rishus on a lower level. And it is on this lower level... Rishus means, ah, there's two sides. Once you, once you become, so to say, dumbed down by the sophistication of unholiness, everything is sophisticated and everything is complex and nothing is so clear-cut and there's good here and there's good over there. The more we, we buy into that philosophy, then the more we are opening ourselves up to demonic forces and therefore the, op- the more we are opening ourselves up to the evil that is still in the world that will only be get rid of, the world will be rid of it only after at some point after the coming of Mashiach. And I want to come back now to mental illness. I want to come back to men- coming back again to mental illness. Mental health is aligning our understanding with the Torah. And mental illness is then when we begin to understand things not the way the Torah understands it. And I'm speaking about these fundamental, very simple, but very deep questions of duality. Right? When the Rambam says that there is no demonic forces, he means there's nothing good in them. It's, it, it, there is no virtue in them. It was very black and white. The Rambam was a, was, was, was a, was a halachic authority. People that are really... Uh, consumed by and living in halacha, the demonic forces have no power over them. And Bechal, there are many stories that as of a certain Baal Shem Tev, the Baal Shem Tev decreed that demons may no longer manifest in, in, in where people hang out. That is because he saw spiritually that the world is becoming more refined, that the koyach of Kedusha is becoming stronger than the koyach of evil. And therefore, they are weakened but weakened does not mean that they are non-existent. Just look at the last century. I would say that Hitler and Stalin and these people, or today in Africa, I don't think we really know what's going on in the world at this moment. There is a tremendous manifestation of evil in all ways, shapes, and form. And in a smaller degree, within us, within us, that there are many things that we do that we think wrongfully so, that we are simply, we did something out of our own necessity, but it's not only that, and sometimes, God forbid, it's none of that. We are completely deluding ourselves, not seeing the, the emmas. And what really happened is a, some, some evil manifested through us. And coming back over here, simply acknowledging that such a thing is there and calling it out by its name, that's the beginning of the healing, that's the spiritual kemeya, that's the amulet against all sorts of Demonic forces. Any questions? You mentioned about um, things coming in pairs. And I don't know what this popped in my mind, but we use um, two chalas. That's a pair. 
but is it because it's from uh, a bigger batch of challah that it's not a pear anymore? Okay, you're asking a very good question, and a couple, a couple of a couple of answers. First of all, nowadays people are not cautious with not consuming pears, and because of that, it's we're not we're not going to be as much as we used to be affected by it. I didn't answer your question yet because your question is that we used to eat two challahs even when people, there was times that we were very careful about it. And I think without the Hasidic insight into what I just shared right now, this is not my own ideas, this we have in Hasidus, then I think Bela's question is almost like a checkmate question. But let's go back to the way Hasidic explain, Hasidus explains that the problem with pears is duality, duality meaning that when we look at two things and this is good and this is bad, and we say, no, no, there's two sides to everything. We give validity to the other side. There are certain peers that both of them are holy. For example, positive commandments and negative commandments. One of the reasons why we have two chalas is because there are two parts to Shabbos. There is the keeping the positives of Shabbos, Right, which is to have pleasure on Shabbos, to make kiddush on Shabbos, to learn more, and then you have a lot of negatives. Don't do this and don't do that. Don't do don't do what Torah says is called work. Shomer v'zacher, zacher v'shomer. Right. So here there are two ways that we connect to God. One through doing something what God wants. One is by not doing what God doesn't want. These both of these things are good. Here, not there is there you know there's a. Each one has a point. Both of them are completely emes. So there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Or, Bailey, you have the two tablets, the two luchais. In other words, the concept of demonic forces connected to pairs is not an absolute. It's dafka when, the way Hasidus explains it. Pairs means is that there are things that are not good in the world. Don't start uh, covering it up. Don't make the demon in it disappear by saying, ah, well, there's good here and there's good there. Every party has a point. That is, that is the pairs that allow a person to be open to demons and God forbid, if the person doesn't stop in his or her tracks. Now, I'm not saying how to stop it and it's not so pushy the way we fight with demonic forces and we in Judaism, we never advocated people to look for evil in the world as did other religions. But we do share in common with many other with many other peoples of the world that at least accept the emes from the Torah that there is evil out there, and we name it right. Ultimately, we call that we call the evil the angel of death, and we call the evil the malachamav, we call the evil the satan, we call the evil the yitzhara. And not only is it out there, but it's in here. And part of our life's mission is to stop it is to push back on it. And collectively, the mankind's mission of tikkun oilam is to destroy it, is to annihilate it. And it all begins by knowing that it's there. Because if it's not there, how are you going to annihilate someone who's okay, not even another, there? And this, is, this is a little revealing, but um, whatever. Um, like, I know that I get, well, it's probably because of the way I was raised, but I get impulses that I have to fight. And that that's, I, and they feel evil. I mean, those things. I feel like I'm fighting evil impulses. Is that is that like what we're talking about? Sure, sure. It's not you. Though. It's not so personal, Bail. I'm sorry. We all have a yitzur hara. Now, some people will ignore it. It's not a yitzur hara. No, acknowledge. It's it's a yitzur hara. 
In other words, there is, some of it, it could be chemical, and that can be treated chemically, going back to mental illness. Some of it can be treated with a psychologist. But some of it is that there are powers out there that they come into us, and they, they stimulate our already predisposition of eating food, eat reif, v'chulei, v'chulei, v'chulei. And simply, the, the, the soul of evil is pleasure of going against God. That's the ultimate. To be the opposite of, to be what we call in Kabbalah, the sitra akhra, to be the other side, to be the opposition. And the fighting of the evil in this context is simple, the hiskafia. In other words, every time, every time, even if we, we, we succeeded for five minutes, to, to stop, uh, not to express a certain impulse, that is pushing back against our own Yetzir Hara, and then we are joining with the rest of mankind, the ones who are choosing to be engaged in this battle, to push back against the cosmic evil, and it has an effect. Now, it's an ongoing struggle. It's the ongoing struggle. The struggle will come to an end, and our side will win. Our side will win. And again, it's not a one-swoop win. It's a progression of time. Which means that every time we win in our daily life, this is part, that will be you, that's the brick in the base Hamikdash. Our little struggle and our little success today is needed because with my little success, with your little success, at one point, it's going to be completely annihilated. Because evil has to be annihilated, has to be destroyed, not compromised with. The moment we start to compromise with evil, then we are open to demonic forces. So, so I have a question. It's it's almost as if when every person becomes spiritually aligned with goodness, then evil won't exist anymore. Well, I'm not saying no. I'm not, no, find, no, no. Won't find a, it won't find like a, like a Kaylee to enter. Well, Monica Lamoshka, I guess when when a person becomes aligned, right? We're, we're, we're complex people. We still have an animal soul. There's going to be another thought that will come into our minds that's going to push back against it. There's going to be an awareness of an inner desire or instinct that will go against everything that we believe in and will become aware of it. So just awareness is not the end game, but it's the beginning. It's the the beginning of this, the root of the solution. It's not the full-fledged solution. And yes, so when it, you said that, like, like someone like King Solomon that could have been a demon, is that that mm. the, like a spirit of just went? In I, I, did, I didn't. I didn't say that. I didn't. One second. One second. The Gemara says that the the king of the demons, known as Ashmedai, manifested and looked just like King Solomon. So what that means, according to this understanding, is not that there was a being that if you if you you would see both of them in two different bodies, that there was a time. And that's going back to the mind that be, precisely because of the super mind of Shleim HaMelech and his understanding of everything, and on his level, he became more subject to becoming possessed by the king of all the demons. And during that period, King Solomon's behavior was not coming from the great King Solomon, but he was simply playing out. He was a conduit towards tremendous demonic forces. In the same body. And to a much smaller degree, we all have that. We all have that. And by the way, this goes in... I want to just conclude... I know. I want to just conclude that just like you have all of this, which we have in the negative, you have the same thing in the positive. 
In other words, that there are certain powers of holiness that are within us, and then there are greater powers of holiness that are outside of us, and they also try to manifest through us. So this is not uh, to walk away with the grace of fear of evil, because if there would be nothing other than evil, then then we should not be afraid. There's Kedusha, and there's, there's Neshamais, and there are Malachim, and there are many greater energies than ourselves out there that are here to help us, that are also invisible, but we should acknowledge them, and not think that when we do succeed in doing something amazing, it was me. Well, some of it, but it's not just me. Well, there's a big struggle going on, and it plays itself out through the person. And it begins by not giving credence to both sides. It's certainly... It certainly cannot be played out if we ignore one of the sides. That's, that's, that's terrible. No, we don't ignore it. And we call it by its name. All right, Chavre, there we go. Can I ask a, can I ask a quick 